welcome to the squeeze growth podcast today i'm very pleased to be joined by brett lindenberg founder of mindstamp.io it is m i n d s t a m p.io mindstamp is an interactive video creation platform that helps businesses and even individuals create video videos quickly and easily without needing any expensive software or design skills coding skills for that matter hi brett how are you doing today hey i'm doing great thanks for having me on thanks for joining us brett i'm super excited to have this conversation with you and to get started off i would like to ask you about uh, a little bit of yourself your background and how you started mindstamp so i am a full stack developer that's my background i went to school and studied computer science in college i didn't program or anything before school i was and like a whiz kid that was building computer programs i liked i liked the computer i liked playing games but i was i didn't program uh, at all until college computer science itself is a theoretical degree you know you don't learn kind of the web development skills that you i use today in college you learn about how computers work algorithms that kind of thing um, but i went in doing computer science with the intention of becoming an entrepreneur i started out trying to study uh dentistry actually cuz i thought that would be a good and cozy job and then when i realized i didn't like that i was thinking what's you know what 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 skills can i equip myself with in order to be an entrepreneur the fastest what what applies most broadly and it was pretty clear that computer science both you know computer science and statistics or different math um you know fit that bill so i studied computer science i took a little bit of time off time off after college to uh freelance build up my skills a little bit i was traveling around for about a year and a half or two uh and then after that i settled back in and i started working looking for looking for ideas and there's a long path from there to mindstamp but that's uh that's generally where it got started awesome so when i was looking into your linkedin profile i uh, saw that you did your bachelor of uh, you know science degree from university of florida and so uh, you know how how did you started uh, started with the decision of pursuing this computer science degree like uh, w- what was your motivation you said that you uh, had something in mind you wanted to become an entrepreneur so at that time was it clear to you that you wanted to build something or was it uh, uh, because uh, you were thinking like you would get a job at first and then work at a company learn stuff and then build something uh, so was it something like that or did you have any specific thought in mind about creating the platform that you created today no no specific thought in mind back then like i mentioned i wanted i originally started studying dentistry just because i thought that that would be a a good and high paying job i i shadowed a local dentist and he told me he works like 3 days a week and makes 300 grand and i'm like that sounds good i'll i'll do that uh, i quickly realized that that was not what i'm good at i'm good at math i'm good at logic um and so i considered majoring in math after that i spent a a couple of weeks trying to figure out what to do and i was going to do math but i decided to do a little bit more of a practical application of math which is computer science and if you understand computer science you know you understand systems you understand inputs and outputs algorithms how data is moved how it's stored and that's really applicable you know across the board i'd i'd hire a computer scientist to do pretty much any job um maybe outside of like marketing but uh you know if you can if you can wrap your head around those problems you can you can pretty much put them to use anywhere so i started studying computer science um but no no semblance of an idea of what what i'd eventually build i also think that you know back around that time i think it was 2012 ish that's when um you know the internet was still relatively young i think like that movie the social network just came out you hearing about all the young guys just like me that could uh 
that have, have built a company with with little resources, right? Because when you're that age, you have no resources. You're you're scraping dollars by to get a coffee to to go study. So you know the thought of trying to get startup capital and manufacture a physical good and organize you know actual labor. Um, it, it was just way more appealing to say, hey, I can use my brain and my creativity to create something and have a mass global audience immediately. Um, that's how, you know, obviously it's not that easy, but the, 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 the core, the core truth there remains that the internet enables that distribution around the world at almost zero cost. Right. Right. So, uh, so when you started in 2012, uh, the times have changed pretty much quickly after that, uh, since then, uh, due to the advancement in technology. So, uh, do you think uh, the resources to learn programming right now are much accessible, uh, easily accessible today than it were in 2012 or was it easier then to you know, start to learn coding and stuff? Yeah, I, I definitely think that the resources have gotten more comprehensive and more available. That's not to say that they weren't uh, accessible then. Uh, Pretty much everything I do, I learned on my own just by, you know, I, I picked up a book and started to learn Ruby on Rails. Ruby on Rails has been around for a long time before that and continues to be around today. And that's what we use on my stamp. Um, so it was just a, a matter of finding it and, you know, sticking to it. I think a lot of people get tripped up when they try to learn programming because there's so much out there. There's so little direction. And I think you have to have, um, you know, you have to have projects and goals in mind other than just learning. And that's what freelancing was for me. I, I started doing a lot of freelance work and challenged myself to build projects for people that gave me a clear, here's the things that need to be achieved rather than just, I want to learn, you know, there's metrics of success is I can, I can build this database. I can release this feature. Um, you know, they, they, they certainly weren't good back then. Uh, apologies to those old clients, but that's how you have to, that's how you have to learn in my opinion is set the goal and then, you know, eventually reach it. It can't just be an open-ended like I've, I've tried to learn other things as well uh, without those goals. And I just end up getting distracted or overwhelmed or, you know, burnt out on it. So I think that there's plenty of resources. Again, they can be really, still be really overwhelming today. But I think that a lot of people have felt that frustration I talk about and uh, have organized, you know, a lot more methodical ways of learning, learning programming, um, you know, 100 days of code or, or replit or different little coding challenges that maybe didn't exist back then. They've, they've taken that frustration that people feel when they try to learn to code and try to organize it and try to give people a path because a lot of people just fall off in the you know, in the meantime. Yeah, correct. I, I agree to the thought that you, uh, so when you said that uh, when we start to learn programming, we should have some direction where we want to go. So that really helps. So when I started learning Python, I didn't have anything in mind, any project that I wanted to build. So it was really hard for me to stick with it because I was busy learning the if and else statement, conditional, all the theoretical stuff that comes in the beginning. Uh, instead, I should have focused more on building projects and with some intention, I, yeah, that, that would uh, be a pretty better approach, relatively uh, better approach, I would say. So yeah, that's, that's spot on. Yes. Yeah, 100%. You have to have, you know, it's, it's easy to say, but you should set some goal that's outside, significantly outside of your current, your current capabilities, right? If you're learning, if you're learning Python, it's not, hey, I want to write a a loop that does this 10 times. It's no, I want to build this small calculator. I want to, you know, have a multi-component goal. I want something to email me the weather every morning. That sounds really simple. And there's plenty of services that could do that. But in order to achieve that yourself, you have to put together, you know, six different components. And if it's, 
you know, not for a client and it's not for actual business. Like you can, you can cut the corners, but you're going to get 80% of that, of that learning just by hooking up to that API and just learning how to set up a mailer and just learning up, you know, how to, how to set up an interval to, to check that like that. So I think you got to go when you're programming, you got to go broad with it as well. You can't just be focused on the little, the little thing. Right. Uh, and the satisfaction that we get after building something is is quite uh, wonderful to have. Yes. So so what inspired you to create Mindstamp, Brett? Yeah. So like you mentioned, Mindstamp is an interactive video platform today, and it's uh, primarily business to business. You know, individuals use it, but for business purposes like training, right? Instead of watching an hour long lecture and putting a five minute quiz at the end, put those questions right throughout the video. Right. Every five to ten minutes, ask a couple questions, make sure the learner knows. Really simple, right? Training and education marketing so you can let people buy right in the video you can let people uh, you know ask some questions to gather information about their preferences but it actually didn't start that way um, when I was searching out for an idea to build I had actually just moved across the country from Florida to California and I had left a, a bunch of my friends back home and I was still keeping in touch with them we used to go to a lot of concerts and um, you know specifically one artist that would play really unique sets at these concerts right you didn't hear the same song twice so whenever he played a set you would it would be a big thing of oh what did he play right so we were always sending these videos back and forth to each other being like look at look at four minutes and 30 seconds and so I tried to tackle that problem the problem that we have first I was sick of that you know back and forth on messenger opening up the video i was like what if we could just put you know my thoughts into the video itself so the first version of mindstamp was actually called h and it was a collaborative video uh annotation tool if you want to call it so as i'm watching the video i can just type my comment right at the timestamp and say you know wow or look at that or that's crazy and then when i share that video with them those comments are popping up right at that time that i put them so the first version of it wasn't really interactive in that sense it was just let me add my comments to yours uh to the video and share them with you i was trying to do a little bit of a social video aspect uh, and i made at some point in in some way made some functionality where you could request that you know a comment be responded to like hey this is important i want to know your thoughts on this rather than just consume it i want to know it and when we did that it would pop up and let you put a reply to it and that was kind of the turning point in this interactive video uh experience where i'm like oh wow this is actually this transformed it from a one-way you know one-way video experience into a two-way interactive experience now i'm part of it now i'm actually having to respond to what's happening on screen um took that kind of a light bulb went off and we we worked with a couple uh got some interest from a couple of different agencies that were using video for you know client reviews right here's the here's the video that we're producing for the client rather than sending the video and then sending a google doc and saying tell me what you think they'd send it they'd ask that ask that hey do you like this color at this time should we change this and that was kind of where things turn and it became interactive video and we shifted to a business use case because these agencies were clearly getting value for as a video interactive review tool so the social aspect was kind of pushed to the side and the uh the business interactivity use case we we started down that path and we're a really customer uh customer driven company right we we don't claim to prescribe the big the big solution the, the big art solution we do think it is art right because you are creating these artistic experiences through video but you know we we listen to what people want they say i want to do this and if we hear it a couple of times we're like that makes sense broadly for other customers so uh we'll, we'll go ahead and add it and that's generally how we've gotten today is just by listening to customers ever since that first you know little request for feedback um anything we add pretty much is is based on what customers are telling us they need awesome so initially it started out as a collaborating platform rather than an interactive video creation platform where you could uh, send someone some uh, someone the video that you 
want them to see at a specific time frame okay and then you started adding enhancement and functionalities like responding to that uh, to that timestamps through comment and now that i look at it i saw some of the features and capabilities that you guys guys give it's quite uh, wonderful to think about it like now we can through mindstem add hotspot uh, buttons and a, a lot of uh, stuffs that uh, you know is is uh, awesome so it's truly great to see where it is yeah. today it's it's come a long way since then but pretty much everything i've done, we've done like i said is is based on what we've heard from customers <clears throat> and whether or not they explicitly say it uh you know we we have to interpret what their goals are right like if they want to one example is personalization right you can set up a video set up template variables within it and then personalize that video to thousands of people you know just with one video and says you know in, just like email you can include their name include their company include their size and I've gotten this video that says, you know, hey Brett, uh how is how is Mindstamp doing? I know that you have guys have under under 20 employees. So here's our small resource guide for small business, right? Um so we just yeah, we we just keep keep going. You know, we added all those things and even what you see today is not nearly the state that it started in, right? Like hotspots when we first everything now on Mindstamp is drag and droppable, resizable, right? You can place it anywhere on the screen, size, style as you wish, but when hotspot started you know i took the simple approach i made a, a three by three grid on the video and let you put a a little blinking indicator in each one of those in the center wh whatever you wanted um so you know you couldn't necessarily get that hotspot right where you wanted it but that got people 80% of the way there if it was near the item and then from there you just iterate over time get better over time so my stamp is just a you know kind of a almost 6 year journey now in the uh, in the art of refining and improving uh, based on customer feedback awesome uh, i would i would say also uh, creating videos uh, through a platform like mindstem is much more effective for businesses even for uh, something like lead generation than using simple email templates so yeah uh, that makes all the difference yeah one thing we like to say is that like mindstamp kind of future proofs your content too right um mindstamp's always a hosted and hosted experience right so you can make a change on the video and it's live immediately there's no uploading no downloading um and you can continually update your content say so you have a lecture that something some fact is now wrong right the statistic changed or that we've got some new understanding rather than having to you know slice up that video or or re-record a section or what not you can just put some text over it in mindstamp you can record a little video clip in in the mindstamp saying hey actually this fact changed this is different now so uh you know keep that in mind so it just it gets it gets that second life out of content as well like webinars you know a lot of people do webinars and then they just toss them up on youtube and hope somebody hope somebody finds them why not take that webinar, put it in a mindstamp, you know, gate it so that you can capture a lead like that, enroll them in a in a marketing workflow, chop it up, put more little pieces of content, branch them out. Like you can just infinitely, infinitely reuse content on mindstamp and create these dynamic experiences. What are the unique features, uh, feature or features that mind mindstamp offer? Yeah, I think that today mindstamp is probably the most powerful and feature comprehensive platform out there. There were a couple that we were that we didn't have. One, for example, was like sticky hotspots. We call them trackable hotspots. So if you have something in the video, you know, a shopping video, and this guy's holding up a shoe, comparing the two. Previously, you could just have one hotspot, you know, sitting near it. Now we can make it track that object, right? You can you can have that. So he's moving it around. That hotspot's moving with it. Whenever they click it, that's uh, you know. That, that's a big one. We have conditional logic. So you can do, you can show or hide different interactions that could include like changing the video based on either what you've told, told the video about the viewer or they've said themselves, right? So if I asked a question, how big is your company? I could add two, two buttons to the video 
uh, for a big, big company hiring guide and small company hiring guide. And based on what they answer on that other to that question, one of them is going to show or hide. I don't think any other platform has conditional logic out there today. But I'll say that the biggest differentiator, in my opinion, is that we've been really good about sticking to this concept of uh, of making it as non-technical as possible, like you mentioned, like code-free, right? A lot of these platforms, you have to work with their work, work with them, work with an agency, do custom custom stuff all the time. Um, and just like you said, like Mindstamp is not a heavy video editor. If you've edited video, it can be overwhelming. You've got multiple timelines, tiny little clips, scrolling, zooming, right? We're not that at all. You you put in the video and then as you're watching, you have six, eight buttons. I forget what it is, but if you want to add a button at that time, you click the click the add button. The button appears on screen. You drop it where it is, set it what you want it to do. You know, we have like 10 click actions. And just like that, you save it and it's in, right? So we have done a really good job of keeping things, despite the power, keeping things simple enough that anybody can create a powerful interactive video, whether you're a, you know, a single employee at a company, a training manager, whether you're an e-learning professional, like we we try to hit the perfect blend of power, uh, uh power and simplicity. And we definitely see that, you know, a lot of our reviews say that it's so, I, I didn't think I could do this, uh, but it's so easy. And that's something that we see a lot with people is that when we show them, you know, get them on a demo and show them, they really got to take a step back and re rethink about how they think about a lot of their things, whether it's marketing or training, because they didn't know that this was possible. They're, you know, they had no idea that you could do all of this in a video. And they're like, hmm, I kind of got to go back to the drawing board here and think about how I'm going to plan this. Because previously I was just planning a video and then, you know, do the quiz at the end or send this video and hope they click the link, uh, at, you know, on the web page beside it. And they're like, man, I gotta, I gotta really think about what I'm doing here now that I know that this capability exists. So we're still super early in interactive video. A lot of people don't know what it is. Uh, like yeah. you mentioned, like technology's come so far. We're not the first to do interactive video. Um, interactive video has been around for a, a long time, but we're at the sweet spot right now where devices, you know, laptops, phones, internet is getting good enough, uh, is good enough that, it can be a mass market product now, right? Like your your phone and your computer has so much power that we can deliver this really rich data intense experience anywhere around the world and it'll work for people. I am pretty sure you guys can be like the Canva for interactive video creation. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. we've used that phrase before. We've used that phrase before. Canva's awesome though. They've uh they they certainly deserve all the praise they get. We use Canva where customers, um, but we certainly take inspiration for them in that regard. Yeah, because because uh, the fact that you can you know you get to edit uh, and create a video without using any technical knowledge. So even a non-techie like someone like me can create a video very easily. And that video is interactive. So that's a bonus, I would say. Uh, and the fact that it saves too much time, uh, that is a huge, uh, unique value proposition in itself. Yeah, yeah. Saves time and, you know, especially for maybe non-training non and education use cases, it can save it can save a whole employee, right? Like we have one customer that uses Mindstamp, a unique use case for uh, auto loan finance, right? They they do auto loans for people to get cars and they've created this 10-minute interactive experience where they send the data in using those variables like I mentioned, like the personalization. So let's say your payment amount is payment, right? And that payment that payment gets substituted for whatever they pass in for all these customers. And it just goes ahead and confirms your information, does a little education, a little confirmation. And that's saving, you know, a 30, 40 minute phone call with the person live that has to call each one of these people. Instead, they just send into the video. It's all hooked up into the system. The system goes ahead and pings them when it's ready, confirms all the information and boom. So, you know, we're saving them hundreds of hours per month on the phone just by creating this because they invested in an interactive video that achieves their goal. Yeah. So, uh, so what kind of analytics feature 
feature or i would say reporting features uh, do you guys offer uh, for uh, an interactive video so let's say if someone creates an interactive video uh, asking about something specific like a survey or something so like uh, does does that get recorded in some kind of pie charts or something like how do we measure the performance of a video yeah absolutely so we haven't even gotten to the analytics but mindstamp offers probably the richest richest video analytics out there today every time somebody presses play on that video you're going to get a full report showing you know exactly when they started and when they stopped exactly which seconds they watched too you know we don't just do like oh they skipped to the end so they got 90 percent watch time like you'll you'll see graphs and information that show the yes 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 and then they skip this five second section um see all the interactions you know any any buttons they click hotspots they click questions they answer anything like that is all going to be included and then we also you know go ahead and summarize that as well so you can get high level insight into your content so you'll see a, a drop off graph and you see yeah 75 percent of people miss this portion of the video here's the interactions that they're missing and also some you know variant comparisons as well like hey 80 percent of people that answered yes here dropped off whereas 20 percent that answered no kept watching like what does that you know what does that mean for your business you have to do some interpreting of that right but we try to make all of that data as highly accessible and understandable as possible and obviously we have a bunch of integrations as well that you can send this like we have the zapier app we have a hubspot integration <clears throat> salesforce we have webhooks we have an api um, so you can get really you can really kind of automate your whole workflow uh if you have a goal in mind with Mindstamp, then you know, like when that when that uh, auto loan company I mentioned, when somebody finishes, we send them a webhook. They hit our API. They grab the information that they need, and then automate. Should they did they get another video? Did they get a phone call? Whatever it is. So every every time somebody presses play, we capture pretty much everything you could possibly want about them. Um, obviously, with with privacy concerns, that data is super secure and only available to the viewer. But or to the to the owner, but we give you you know deep insight into your content, how it's performing, and most importantly, how to improve it. Uh, Brett, uh, as you said that when you started out in creating Mindstamp, it wasn't really what it is today. It was quite different, and you guys started out as a collaborative platform, and uh, it's been a long journey. So, what were the challenges that you have encou encountered while developing the platform, and uh, how did you overcome them? So what what were some of the most prominent ch challenges? Yeah, a, cu a couple. Like I mentioned, you know, when I was building Mindstamp, I was completely learning as I as I went. I had some basic experience of with JavaScript, right? But nothing like we're like nothing like we're doing today. I didn't know anything about online video. I had to learn about all these different little intricacies that come with video delivering it, browser compatibility. Those are the technical challenges. Um, obviously, there's a lot of issues slash challenges that come when you're learning as you're building, right? As you're as you're getting customers and you're not 100% bulletproof on what you're doing, there's going to be some problems. You try to handle them as best as you can. But I'd say like more so the big uh, the big challenge for me personally was just how long it took and how long you kind of have to do that wandering in the wandering in the dark right to try to find what the value is so mindstamp started in 2017 we didn't really start get going and start getting real customers until 2020 um late 2019 2020 obviously the pandemic uh, has been has been great for mindstamp as everything goes remote that's when people really started to come in but you know we spent a good two years and during that time it was just just me in the beginning of the company um trying to build trying to really having to reach out and say hey can you can you use this is this valuable you know really 
having to put yourself out there in front of people and ask them to ask them for feedback, honest feedback. That's super important. A lot of people would be like, yeah, this is awesome. Like looks really cool, but they're not paying for it. They don't, they don't actually use it. Like, so I think the wandering in the dark aspect of being so long is what was really challenging. And, you know, there are times definitely that I thought, uh, I was like, all right, it's time to move on. Like, I just can't get, I can't get the momentum that I need to justify the time being input here. Um, you know, had to go back to freelancing for a couple months. And I, I kind of thought that was, I thought that was a failure right there, right? That's the end where, um, I'm not, I'm not spending time on this. It's going to die. I'm having to neglect these customers, but I need to, I need to eat. So I need to spend some, a couple months freelancing. And that ended up being a pretty big blessing in disguise at that time, because I was so in the weeds with every single day trying to figure out, think, what, what can I do? What can I do? That taking a step back, working on another project for, for money that gave some financial security, um, but also gave that headspace to come back and say, okay, you know, I've stopped thinking about this primarily for, for two to three months. What are the one or two big things that I've thought of in the meantime that can, uh, that can actually affect change here? And that was the first, uh, the first implementation of like these, uh, you know, per second analytics that I just mentioned, where you get a view report. Like, okay, well, you can, right now we can create these videos and people can consume them, but you have no idea what's, what's happening with them. Um, you have no, no reporting, no understanding. And when I came back from that little hiatus, I went right to work because I had a clear picture in my mind of, you know, this is, this is going to, we're going to create this backend to the experience where the owner can see exactly what happened. And that's been super popular. So, you know, a lot of technical challenges along the way. Um, but mostly it was a matter of persistence and, you know, just got to keep persisting and, and recognize when you do have to take a step back, uh, but, but be able to get back to it uh, as quickly as possible. So you said that you started as a solo, solopreneur and you uh, pretty much had to figure out everything on your own. So uh, when you created a minimum, minimal viable product MVP, uh, which platforms did you use to reach out to the customers and how did you differentiate those who liked your platform and those who really wanted to pay for it because there are uh, two categories of people someone may like your product but they may not need it at that point in time so they'll not be willing to pay for it but then there are people who really have the pain point and the, your product is solving that pain point so uh, which platform did you use and you recommend for interacting with your potential prospects uh, who would uh, in turn be your customers like there are forums uh, uh, and subreddits where you can uh, talk with real people and pitch your product so uh, how did you get yeah. started with that yeah the you know the, the classic the classic ones at that time you know indie hackers back in the day i read a lot of indie hackers back in like 2017 ish because i'm like this i'm alone i can build software this is what i want to do we got a good we got a good lucky break with product hunt back in the day where we were i think the number we were the number one for most of the day and then somebody passed us so we ended up getting number two of the day but it doesn't matter the traffic you know if you're on the front page the traffic is the same and that just brought if you look at our our users by time graph you know got you know nothing and then product hunt then back to nothing for a long time but that product hunt launch was what you described where people come in and they are actually interested but they have you know a lot of people say it's cool but then the people that are actually interested are be like this is great but can it can it do this and I, I need this like it's so close can it do this that gave us a lot of fuel or at least me a lot of fuel in the fire to say okay 
there is actual interest here. Here's the most common things I heard from this launch. Here's where people might have tried it and dropped off because it wasn't working. And at least give you some path to go on, right? Like you're no longer, no longer in the dark of just, I'm trying to find the value in this product. People are finally telling you that product or that value. So Indie Hackers was good for community um, back in the day. I'm, I'm sure it still is. I just don't go on there much anymore. And, uh, but product hunt, you know, having a, an army of kind of product enthusiasts that both celebrate you as well as give you real honest feedback. Uh, that was super valuable back in the day. Okay. So I would like to talk a little bit about AI and video content creation. So if you have seen the recent news, open AI have come up with a, a new technology known as G uh, chat GPT. So uh, GPT three is, you know, rocking the content writing world when it comes to generating human like AI content. So, uh, do you think, uh, how do you think will video uh, creation space evolve over the next few years? Do you think AI will have to, uh, uh, AI will be a part of that too? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's going to completely rock it. Like you said, um, you know, there's, we're, we're, we're exploring some AI projects ourselves right now. Everybody says that, but I think video, video is just so time consuming and costly to create that any edge that people can get is going to be really welcome. Um, there's a really cool company, multiple, but one that's really uh, prominent is called Synthasia.ai. I don't know if you've seen them, but they make synthetic AI, like very, very realistic avatar videos. You know, I could be, I could be an avatar right now and I could have programmed myself to say this. I'm not, but I could have been. Um, and that's, that's a challenge that we get a lot of people with at Mindstamp. Like I mentioned, they come in and they're like, man, I got to rethink about how I do this. How do I film in order to create interactivity? Um, and being able to leapfrog that, leapfrog that physical requirement, the time and money requirement, and go ahead and just generate the script and then program an AI avatar or program the, the cinematic experience is going to be a game changer, you know, right? You can just, you can go from hours and hours and revision to just, I have my script, especially something like training, right? Like you don't, you generally don't need, uh, you don't need somebody from your company standing up there trying to film training, trying to learn how to speak that audio, right? You've got the content you want them to learn, drop that script in something like Synthasia, you'll get a video in a few minutes and drop that into Mindstamp, add your questions and boom, you're done. You know, the only work there is creating the script and then placing the questions and you've got a, an evergreen training asset that can, that took, you know, an hour and can now be used for forever and ever. So I think, you know, that's the, the basic version, the whole, you know, like I, I think it's Dali, some some version of that for video, where you know it's creating these actual actual videos with landscapes and objects moving and stuff. Like that's just gonna be that's gonna rock a lot more than the, the content marketing industry. But Hollywood movies, content creation itself, like when you can just say say what you want the video to be, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be absolutely insane. So we have a we have a close eye on that. Um, you know, an interactive video, the objects in screen are are important, right? Um, so as we move more and more towards this AI, AI generated model, there's definitely synergy where we can say, oh, we're creating this. And we know that that, that product is in the screen at this point right here. So we can automatically put a hotspot on it rather than having you go and, you know, place it, which is fine and easy now, but there's definitely going to be synergy between the two as, as AI comes uh, to even more prominence. Yeah. Uh, so uh, is it possible to think that in you know in few years there will be a time where we'll be able to give command uh, or a prompt to ai and it will automatically generate video for us so do you see that coming pretty sooner or in in at least a few years yeah yeah absolutely 
Absolutely. I think that uh, unfortunately, a lot of a lot of video producers and editors are going to go out of business as you know, you can just tell the computer what to make and it makes it and you can say, oh, no, at, at 30 seconds, change that to green. And it immediately does that, right? As, as the cost of, you know, compute power continues to go down, like that's just going to become more and more of a real thing. Yeah, right. And yeah. even I'm, I'm really excited about other other areas of AI too. There's another cool company called adept.ai that I saw the other day. And they are basically a, a browser-based AI where you tell, you know, you have a little chat box, your personal chat box, and you tell it what to do. You can just say, add, add Brett Lindenberg as a, as a contact in Salesforce and set his company to this. And it, you know, interprets that and then takes all those actions for you in the browser, right? So you're saving these clips where you're navigating, and doing this, um, you know, create a spreadsheet with 10 columns and make the eighth column the combination of three and four, right? That That's saving, it, it shows you kind of how early we are on with technology and our interface with it um, to the point it's like, oh, that makes, that makes total sense. I shouldn't have to go click, you know, file, new, find the box, type in their name. I can just tell the, if we can bridge that gap between what I'm thinking and what we want the computer to do, same thing with video. Um, that's you know that's a new paradigm that we're we're definitely going to see in the next in the next five years. That will be awesome to see, and the jobs for virtual assistant may certainly be in danger, danger after that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ChatGPT, like you look you look at that, you that, that's mind blowing as it is, right? And I think Google should be should be really worried, or they should be laughing because they have a really good solution that they're about to unveil. I mean, you ask, you ask chat GPT, how do I bake a cake? You'll get a nice list, you know, exactly the steps to take. And if you ask Google that same question, you're going to get, you know, 15 SEO optimized list, list articles that you have to go and scroll and find, like we're moving, we're moving way closer to the, I ask you what I want and you tell me what I'm asking you rather than you're giving me, you know, an indication of where I might find what I'm asking for. Yeah, right, right. It'll be a pretty hard time for search engines to figure out what content is written by, you know, a human and what content is written by an AI. Because as you said, uh, ChatGPT is pretty awesome at what it does right now. And it is still evolving day after day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd argue that, yes, we do want human content, but also it, it also doesn't really matter. You know, like if you look at if you look at a recipe article, it's based written by an AI today in the way it's SEO optimized, right? They, they fill you up with a bunch of blabber about some dish, blah, blah, blah. They try to get you to scroll and then eventually show you the step. You know, is there any, is there any real human element to that that would be different than if an AI wrote it? Um, I, I don't I don't know. I, I think that 80% of the time people are looking for information and the, the human editorial aspect is just imposed upon them because that's what we know how to create and share so you know I, I don't think people necessarily care as long as you're giving them the information that they want yeah you're right as far as uh, we get the solution it does not matter whether it comes from an ai or a human being that's that's yeah 100 uh, so i i also glance through your blog where you write content about you know, uh, multimedia. Uh, so there is this blog post named the power of multimedia in interactive video, and you write articles related to those. So uh, do you think creating blog content helps you drive traffic and potential customers? Yeah, absolutely. SEO is a, is a super long game, right? Like we've been blogging for a long time, and you don't really get too many hits on specific blogs, but you just have to, it's a, it's a long game. And eventually over over years google starts to recognize that you are providing value and they're going to surface you right like 
we I wrote a there's a lot of ways you can spend money trying to get customers. Um, and if you're spending money, usually the synergy isn't there. You know, obviously paid ads are important, especially if someone's looking for a solution. But I wrote an article back in like 2018 or 2019, maybe that was how to add a button to a video, right? And I think I think we just got unseated. I think we're number two, but that was the number one Google search result for for a long time, right? So when any, anybody ever asks add button to video, they see mine stamp right there. We've got a nice little step-by-step -step guide. So I, if you are, you know, starting something and planning on working on it for a long, long time, I would try to be cranking out one a blog post uh, every week or one every two weeks and just build up that content library. Show these search engines that you are, you've been around and you're here to stay. Um, you can't fill it with garbage. Um, thankfully, the AI writing tools make that make that easier now to to generate content quickly without filling it with garbage. But yeah, SEO is the, you, you pay the price over a long period of time, but the price ends up being relatively free, right? It's just evergreen, evergreen leads yeah. for you. Uh, if you can, if you can get on the map there. Yeah. And, and it also helps create awareness about your product uh, organically without paying a penny. So that's yeah, pretty cool. Organic awareness, organic trust too. Like if they, if you come to our blog and see that we've written, you know, a hundred articles on interactive video, say, oh, these guys have thought about this. They've been, they've been thinking about this for two years, right? You know, I can, yeah. it's just a little semblance of trust when you can see that somebody actually, actually cares and has been putting in the time. Yeah. And when you keep writing about a single topic or a single niche, uh, people start believing you to be an authority around that niche. And then they'll eventually end up investing in your product or service. Yeah, totally. And you're at least in their, you're at least in their mind. Uh, if, yeah. if they don't have a need now, then the, the second they do, maybe their job says we should do interactive videos. Say, oh, I know, I know Mindstamp because I read this article. You know, I've, I've been reading their information. So definitely, a, definitely an investment, but I think a, a very worthy one and one that can be paced out too. Right? You don't have to be creating a blog every single day. It doesn't have to be backfilled. Just a little bit of consistency, a little bit of keyword research. You're gonna you're gonna see some results. Right. So my next question for you is Brett. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on email marketing? I would say, how do you implement, implement email marketing as a medium of communication or promotion for Mindstamp? Yeah, I think email marketing has been king for a while and it's still mostly king. SMS marketing is popping up a lot more, but I think that the email inbox, it's still the best way to reach people, but it's just gotten so much more crowded, right? I think cold email effectiveness uh, has gone down a lot. Um, I think people are just getting inundated, especially if you don't manage your inbox. I manage mine pretty well, you know, subscribing folders, whatnot. And even then there's too much stuff for me to consume. So I think that you have to, you know, communicate with your customers via email. It's a direct marketing channel, but um, I don't think that you can rely on it like you used to. You know, we've tried we've tried some cold cold email uh, campaigns before, and generally um, has had lackluster results. In that people, like I mentioned, there's a big educational aspect to interactive video. So unless they've taken the initiative to seek you out and learn, you'll get they'll get this email and they'll be like. That's cool. Like I, I want a demo, but I have no idea what I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do. I don't you know have any plans for this. Um, what even is this? I don't I don't understand this. Uh, so you know we use email to communicate with our customers. We don't do too much. We we communicate important feature updates. We try not to abuse their inbox. We send maybe one to one to three emails a month, depending on what we've shipped that month. We have a newsletter, um, but we try to keep that line of communication open, but we know that it's not, you know, the, the, the live or die that it used to be in terms of marketing. Right, right. So yeah, uh, this is the last question that I have for you. Uh, so what are the top pieces of advice uh, you would like to give to people 
who are looking to become entrepreneurs or starting their own business specifically uh, those who set out on a path to create something online maybe a product or a service yeah, yeah. it's it's tough to it's tough to give that advice especially cuz i can remember like getting that advice back in the day and just kind of discount it cuz you're like oh they've already made something like that's just generic advice but i'd say the the first thing is to get started um get started on some project whatever it is i think way too many people spend too much time thinking about you know what can i what can i build or what what's my company going to be nope you should run a bunch of little experiments right a little experiments with those goals like we talked about of oh this you know maybe there's something here with this email add-on or something what's the what's the smallest thing i can make and make that work and then test if it works um so get started um you have to there's a balance between staying committed while also not uh spending too much time right like or you can't you can't start something and then 3 days later be like uh you know i'm i'm sick of this i'm bored I'm, i don't i don't believe in it anymore cuz there's going to be times you don't believe in it you know it was a brilliant you had a brilliant idea and you're like this is the future and then 3 days in the challenges appear you come down from that high of thinking about it and then you're like okay on to the next thing so i think there's a lot of people that hop from thing to thing never go deep enough if you need to go deep enough but also you know know when it's time to to time to move on you have to get things out in public right like you can i i'm certainly guilty of building for too long in private and thinking you know when i unveil this it's going to be it's going to be awesome and people are going to love it like you need to you know all the advice that yc gives is is super important that you need to be iterating rapidly getting real feedback from real customers um and most importantly in the macro picture just keep you know persist 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 every day uh resist the temptation to follow the shiny new object um and don't give up don't don't give up in you know you can put individual projects aside or move on to different things but if your goal is to be an entrepreneur you should be attacking a problem at all times and always looking for a solution to that you know um it could be the the first second or 20th uh thing that you take on over uh, a week or it could be years but you know your goal your job as an entrepreneur is to show up every day and attack attack a problem um and and just to try to choose better problems over time that's a great advice brett thank you uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, please forgive me but i uh, suddenly had one more question in my mind so sure uh, it goes it goes like that so do you guys uh, are you guys planning to raise capital from a venture capitalist or from vc combinator from anyone or are you guys planning to go bootstrap uh, wh- what do you prefer as of now uh right now we are we're bootstrapped and self funded uh we taken some small angel investment but generally I'm not religious about venture capital one way or another I think that you need to understand what you're signing up for when you take venture capital right these venture capitalists are looking for 100x return and and nothing less um and so you need to understand if your company can tolerate that that level of of growth and and risk and you know innovation um tolerate can mean many things there as whether you want to do it or not whether your your team wants to do it whether you think that the market is there and so far you know we're comfortable with where we're at and don't necessarily think that the market is ready for a venture capitalist funded, you know, super high growth interactive video company. Um, you know, they've certainly had success with interactive video in the past, but right now, like I said, we're still so early. Um, but we are certainly not opposed that if if somebody uh if we find the 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 spot that needs gas, pour it on the fire, we'll pour that gas, right? We'll we'll give money if we're like, "Oh, this is wor- this is working 100% repeatedly and we can scale this up. You know, we can put we can put money in and more money comes out. Um then let's go ahead pour that pour that money in pour the gas, but 
right now we're at a little bit more of a phase where we're, you know, working, refining, getting people uh, the results that they need and trying to conceptualize what is that, what is that spot that we can pour the gas where we know it's going to go, go going to go up and to the right. Um, I was definitely, you know, trying to get into those accelerators in the very beginning. I, I think I'm reje- I've been rejected from Y Combinator like seven times now. Uh, which is a personal a personal point of of pride now because um, didn't didn't end up needing it you know who knows maybe it would have been quicker or better or faster if we did I have a lot of respect for those guys but they they also didn't uh, you know just kind of what I said they don't they don't think that it's ready um, the business or the the market itself for that that level of investment. <laughs> Um, but some businesses need venture capital, others don't, others kind of exist in an area where they, where they can take it, they have it available to them, but, uh, don't necessarily have the, you know, need for it right now. And I think we're in that middle spot right now. So as soon as we see an opportunity, not opposed to taking capital, but until then we're not getting on that, on that rocket ship, you know, if we don't have the, the moon in sight kind of thing. Uh, I would also like to point out that when a business take uh, some kind of funding from someone, uh, the expectations of that product or service may change. So as you said that uh, some venture capitalists are looking for high return. So uh, they may demand you to alter your promotional tactics or go against what you do not believe in. So yeah, sometimes it can lead to changes in expectations. So it 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 may have happened for the better. 100%. I mean, you, you give up control of your business and that's really important to me and my team you know we have a we have a really good team really good culture we have a, a good life that we've we've created here um and again if we see an opportunity we're ready to pounce but until then we're not you know i think i think there's definitely a trap of thinking that you need venture capital in order to to create a business a lot of people try to put that as their first uh their first step you know okay i'm gonna i'm gonna form an llc and then i'm gonna go out and raise capital like you need to you need to get a product you need to understand the the product the market space before you can even one probably raise capital and two understand whether your business needs it or not and whether that's going to be a, a net positive or net negative um and unfortunately i think a lot of people some people uh don't find that out until too late right they've they've overcapitalized a business that doesn't have that potential that the expectations uh would would need right and then you've got bad energy between the founders and investors the the founder regrets selling they've hired too much and so they have too many capital obligations now um because they had these big plans earlier when they raised capital so it can be you know it's a drug it can be it can be good for you or it can or it can kill you so it's really up to the individuals to understand and make themselves right right Uh, thank you so much for joining us today brett it was a real pleasure hearing your insights and experiences and most importantly learning from you so uh, do you have any final thoughts or comment uh no i appreciate you having me on you guys can find us at you know mindstamp.io or use mindstamp on all socials i think we'll have a, a little discount code for spook growth listeners maybe 20 percent off for the first three months or so uh, we can link that down in the show notes i imagine or we can add it after this i'll, I'll get you the actual code but yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It's been a great chat. And everybody out there, just, you know, get started and keep going. You, you got it. Thank you again for joining us, Brett. We wish you all the best with Mindstamp and your future endeavors.